May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Um, yesterday morning, I naturally looked into the BBC News to find out what happened. And one of the tweets that was mentioned there said, and I'll tell you in a second, and I immediately remembered Japheth and his family are there. So I put on Facebook, Japheth, uh, Becky, uh, Joshua, um, you went to bed, and Jonah, you went to bed on Thursday in Great Britain, and you woke up on Friday in Little England. <laughs> now, knowing Japheth, he would like that, and so he liked it. I am fascinated by wonder, and two years ago, Gorgina and I visited Krakow, um, an ancient Polish city, and we were joined by two of our friends, David and Becky, uh, who surprised us by actually coming to Poland while we were there vacationing. And uh, David said, I want to see your country through your eyes. So we are coming. He's a cinematographer, she is a pastor, and they were enjoying, and, and together we were enjoying walking through the old 14th century streets and soaking in the history and culture and uh, our guided tour, guided for them. Among the stops was a Jewish quarter known for the best in religious experience, tasty cuisine, and rich culture and literature immortalized by Martin Buber, Isaac Bashevis Singer, Baal Shem Tov. This can be experienced in part even today, uh, a gift from the people who at the time of the Second World War were destined for extinction by ethnic cleansing and culture. Of hatred. We stopped at a restaurant which in recent times became famous for Schindler's List, being filmed there by Steven Spielberg. So we scaled the famous steps which are seen in the film, feeling the tense moments which were portrayed by Spielberg in Schindler's story. We were in the spot made sacred by the blood of the innocents. Um, and we ate a meal and gave ourselves to an embrace of wonder. All in the Jewish Kazimierz. And Joseph's Street. If wonder has legs, and uh, you will walk with it together, uh, I concluded, 
Wonder must have legs, legs, and you can walk with it. You will be taken into a world which, as Christians, we can treasure, but also we can own. We invited, when invited, when overwhelmed by newness, when entering a domain of awe, our experience becomes richer, fuller, and a story is created anew. Two stories from the Gospels of Luke and Matthew have created for me another basis for wonder, for understanding what wonder is. These uh, will become our main concerns in the minutes ahead of us. Jesus talks about people uh, following him uh, 23 times in the Gospels. Follow me, or others were following him. And the word follow appears 86 times in the King James Version, version um, uh, throughout the Bible. Considering references in the scriptures referring to wonder, we can consider its meaning uh, both as a verb and as a noun. Uh, help comes from uh, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, of course. Or, uh, or you can do that actually Google other uh, uh, dictionaries as well. As a noun, it's a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. As a verb, it's a desire. Or be curious to know something. And sometimes you say to yourself, I wonder but that's a different meaning. In what happened when Jesus, with the encounters in the narratives of calling of Matthew, and in the response of Jesus to a guy sitting in a tree, and a few other stories where come along with me or follow me plays a role, we can have a few areas to consider, few thoughts. To, uh, to, to think about. Who are the actors here? We have Jesus, we have Zacchaeus, we have Matthew, we have a few interested onlookers, including those who wanted to deal with Jesus on their own terms. And of course, we need to be included as a part of those stories as well. I believe. Let's unpack the story of Jesus inviting himself to a dinner at Zacchaeus' house. In Luke chapter 19, 1 to 10, uh, from in the message version, we read the following. Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head taxman and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, 
he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. I know what you're thinking. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I am caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, today is salvation day in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to find and restore the lost. Zacchaeus was rich and he lived in a rather affluent city, as we read from different sources, uh, referring to Jericho at that time, of that time. And he had plenty. But it seems he was in need of a conversation. And he also needed assurance. Something was going on and it was touching him. Touching his heart. And the message text alludes to his good luck. To have Jesus peel him out of the sycamore tree. In, ca in case you were wondering what kind of tree it is. Uh, it, it is uh, a, a fig mulberry. Okay. An oak of the region. As a traveler reported about sycamore trees. Zacchaeus needed what you and I are in need of. Zacchaeus was led by wonder. Who is this Jesus? Is this something that is going to make a difference in my life? I think it is. And I am going to climb a tree, if need be. Those who are watching the exchange did not catch the wonder of Jesus, the wonder of being with Jesus. Zacchaeus did not care about his status, however. Imagine a civil servant, well-dressed in his Versace tunic, and wearing Bali shoes, climbing a tree. Zacchaeus did not care. The watchers of Jesus did not care about their compatriot, Zac. They saw a rabbi mingling with sinners. For Zacchaeus, meeting with Jesus was the culmination of seeking a change in his life. He gave up his ego, 
climbed a tree, and the rest is history. He had Jesus both in his heart and in his home. Now, that's a bonus. He didn't mind. The leaders did not like what they saw. If this rabbi was kosher, he would not mingle with such riffraff and sinners like Zacchaeus. And they muttered, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. In uh, the message translation, what business does he have getting cozy with this crook? The calling of Matthew has a variation of the wonder Jesus provides, an attraction, knowing what it is, uh, what is in person's heart, and a live love changes that ensues. Matthew 9, in the message version, the uh, calling of Matthew story. Passing along, Jesus saw a man at his work collecting taxes. His name was Matthew. Jesus said, come along with me. Matthew stood up and followed him. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close followers, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. When the Pharisees saw him keeping this kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher? Acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? Jesus, overhearing, shot back, who needs a doctor? They're healthy. Or the sick. Go figure out what, the, what this scripture means. I am after mercy, not religion. I am here to live, to invite outsiders, not cuddle insiders. Zacchaeus was a slightly different story, of course, uh, though similar with that of Matthew's calling in many respects. Both were tax collectors, and both were in need of a change in their lives. Both allowed God's wonder to engulf their lives, and both were objects of Jesus' revolutionary and avant-garde return to the future. He was describing in so many words to the religious leaders of the time who interpreted religion according to their own preferences. Mingling with the outsiders, meeting with women, and they were yet to see more being physically accosted and challenged at the holy temple. Oh, horrors. A Sabbath breaker who claims being a representative of Yahweh himself. 
claiming divinity, this cannot be. We are holy, but he prefers the riffraff. He prefers to talk to those people. Wonder of Zacchaeus and wonder of Matthew were different. Yet wonder is wonder when you meet Jesus. Mixed with the ob obvious fascination of seeing Jesus as crowds were following him, they were saying, something's wrong with this picture. Follow me, he said. But we start to ask ourselves, I have such a great property and a position in life. It's rather cozy where I live. And he wants me to give this up, perhaps? Really? Matthew's case amazes me in particular. Not only that I do not have any idea how his decision was made, and in a few moments that it was made, at least this is how we are seeing in this story, obviously, it did not take him long to abandon his good life. Good life? Though we imagine that his was not the most exciting situation. His being considered a him being considered a collaborator and labeled as tax collector and sinner, which was a synonym for them. He wanted out, but he didn't know how he could do it. But did he know really? what it would be like when they would have to flee Jerusalem on a road laced with the crosses of their countrymen on them. Help came from the outside. Someone came and said, follow me. Abandoning a lucrative position to a connection with other amazing point of Jesus worth including here. My understanding of Jesus' call, follow me, is expressed well in the very concept of wonder. I see this in the comment of the psalmist who said uh, in Psalm 71, many gasp in alarm when they see me, but you take me in stride. Or in the living translation of the same verse, my life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. Wonder of God took over. And there is a difference. In Luke chapter 9 and in verse 23, read this. Then... He, Jesus, told them what they could expect of themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. You are not in the driver's seat, Ray. He is. That's what Jesus says. 
Now, recalibrate questions. I, I hope that you have, that you have them uh, in your uh, bulletin. The first one is, at this time, consider what can move you to vacate the driver's seat of your life, letting Jesus drive you? Referring to his earlier statement uh, of the statement of Jesus being in the driver's seat, he says it in a plain language as to what it is we are to be uh, when he takes over, when he drives you, where you are going to park. John 14, verse 23. Because of... Because a loveless world, said Jesus, is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word and my father will love him. We will move right into the neighborhood. I, I love this translation because it's kind of like touches us where we are and who we are and where we live. Neighborhood? My Jaeger Street in Longmont, our Mapleton Avenue here, just outside the doors of this church. Is this uh, our community, really? Who is it that we are associating with and talking to? Let's ask ourselves that question. How many of our neighbors can we call friends? Oh, some, yes, undoubtedly. Do we let people into our lives? Many of us, and be frank now, basically thrive on family talk and family relations mostly. It's safer to talk shop with those who are like you, like me. We talk. The same language? Yes, as members of the community in which we live, a new dimension comes into play with the invitation of Jesus going into the neighborhood. What is it that must be done? What attitudes must be reviewed? that would turn us into a loving attitude toward those who may just be observers of our attitudes, of our faith, our lifestyle. And that's what I am asking myself. And quite often at that. And where is that first step, Ray? I ask myself, when we meet strangers, even neighbors, when we let them into our lives, what will they discover for themselves when they meet us? As we open up and as we invite them in. Matthew stood up from the desk, from, from behind the desk, and began walking. It's just quite incredible. Only he knew what he was leaving behind 
what it would cost him to follow the rabbi in the future. From a lucrative business position, he accepted service without pay. We don't know how it happened, but we know the result of accepting Jesus, of entering into the wonder Jesus creates. Come along with me, command. Next thing we see an invitation Matthew extended to others. He went home and invited a few people he knew, plus Jesus' entourage, to celebrate his new birth. Now get your imagination into gear. A table of common people. Or a room full of common people, ordinary people, fishermen, a couple of crooks, an intellectual or two. A similar turn of events was recorded by Luke. Zacchaeus opened his home to the sinners, obviously the outsiders. My goodness, that's kind of like unusual in our day and age to do that. The next recalibrate question for us to consider would be, who would you also invite to your home knowing that Jesus would be there for dinner? The Bible offers innumerable examples of adoration of the good, wise, and loving deeds of God. And the where are you of the good old um, organic garden in the First Testament um, is replaced with come with me um, in the um, Second Testament. The embracing touch of God, God embracing us with wonder, taking us to places that we then, from time to time, have to ask ourselves, where did these words come from? Why did I turn left, right, and not the other way? Why did I go there? What happened? What struck me as important in the follow me call of Jesus was when I watched David Bowie in a commercial advertising Audi. This was in the spring of 2004. It had simple tagline and call to never follow. You getting the picture now? The marketing campaign tried to position the European car maker with a product that many were to follow. Some did. More so in Europe than in America at that time. Three years later, the company ditched the slogan. You have to be bold to be noticed in America, a vice president of Audi America said. Certainly bolder and more aggressive than we have been. Well, on the surface, this slogan does not connect with the Zacchaeus story. 
except that he had to fail first, forsake his ego, and fly into the hands of wonder, even if it meant that he had to go up a tree. David Bowie's involvement made sense. Uh, never follow the crowd. His words spoken in a video that he shot for that uh, campaign said, I am going to do something that could be provocative and artistically relevant. I have to be prepared to put myself in a place where I feel unsafe, not completely in control. I have to fear, I have no fear of failure whatsoever. Because often out of that uncertainty, something is salvaged. Something that is worthwhile comes about. There is no progress about, without failure. And each failure is a lesson learned. Unnecessary failures are the ones where an artist tries to second-guess an audience's taste. And little comes out of that situation except a kind of inward humiliation. So in the words of Azar Nafisi, the author, author of Reading Lolita in Tehran, he said, never let reality in the way of imagination. When you start following Jesus, don't look back. Lessons from the biblical narratives seem to say plainly, it all and always begins with an invitation. There is no need for many words. You are found. You desire no more. You belong. Zacchaeus knew where to satisfy his heart's desire. So did Matthew. And Jesus knew what was in their hearts. And by the way, this was the only recorded instance in which Jesus invited himself into someone's house for a meal. There is a decided contrast between the follow me of Jesus and the never follow by Audi. A dangerous comparison, yet it offers plenty to talk about. If we are to describe a palette of needs, needs in our lives, we may discover a realm of having contrasted with a realm of being to start with. We are not talking about art, about the pursuit of making our God-given talents shine and skills improve, improved. We are talking about the essence of life as exemplified in Jesus, something that can become also yours. And when he is driving, I don't worry. We are talking about catching the thread of happiness according to God's creativity. Our creativity stops when Jesus takes over and then the, our creativity grows, begins uh, in, an, in the greatest possible way 
And the next question uh, for us to consider is, how is your life's reality obstructing your access to Christ's wonder? Friends, friendship, kindness takes over superiority. We have the truth falls to the side. Uh, last week, uh, Eliah quoted Abraham Joshua Heschel. Now, he happens to be my number one theological guru. We all have theologians and we all have books that we, that we, that we often go to. And uh, Heschel wrote these words, no religion is an island. We are all involved with one another. Spiritual betrayal on the part of one of us affects the faith of all of us. Views adopted in one community have an impact on other communities. Today, religious isolationism is a myth. Now, I happen to believe that. And he continues, we fail to realize that while different exponents of faith in the world of religion continue to be wary of the ecumenical movement, there is another ecumenical movement worldwide in extent and influence, nihilism. Cynicism is not parochial. Should religions insist upon the illusion of complete isolations? isolation? Should we refuse to be on speaking terms with one another and hope for each other's failure? Or should we pray for each other's health and help one another in preserving one's respective legacy, in preserving a common legacy? During the recent uh, visit to Poland, I spotted a poem published in a newspaper. It was written by Wisława uh, Szymborska, who in 1996 won uh, a Nobel uh, Prize in Literature. In an inventory, she writes, I made an inventory of questions for which I did not get the answers. Because they are asked too early or I would not understand them. What about the dozens of people? Did we really not know them? It was in Auschwitz, a Nazi concentration camp uh, that I refused to visit for many, many years where I personally learned what wonder means in my heart. There I learned the meaning of being available to God and He would help me to be available to others. Auschwitz is a place where one's own spiritual wonder would meet somebody like Maximilian Kolbe, 
a priest who gave his life in place of a fellow prisoner. At the end of July 1941, three prisoners disappeared uh, and escaped from the camp. Ten men were picked to be starved to death in an underground bunker to deter further escape attempts. When one of them, uh, one of the selected men, Franciszek Gajowniczek, cried out, my wife, my children, Kolbe stood up and said, I will take his place. For nearly two decades, I refused to go to Auschwitz. But a time came in the mid-70s, I was asked to assist the Adventist world president to translate for him as he laid a wreath of flowers at a wall, at the wall of death there in the camp. For me, it was also a solitary walk just within the perimeter of the camp. And there I spotted a piece of the barbed wire. A, leftov a leftover piece lying on the path. That was in the mid-70s. I kept it as a reminder. Today you cannot pick anything out of there. In those days there were no signs. <laughs> Um, I kept it as a reminder of those tragic days when hatred for those who are different had a winning run. It was this sacred place consecrated by the blood of the innocents who were my uncle Anshel's first wife and two small children perished. My personal wonder was fortified out of that context through a conversation I had with him. Sitting in his hospitable home, having the best of home-cooked Jewish cuisine, not just a meal, a cuisine, and trying to unlock his thoughts. And he said, I have forgiven the Nazis. One cannot forget the past completely, but it is not me who should judge them. I don't want to talk about it. Forgiveness to me became a child of what it means to love. It was God forgiving me that put me on the road of following him and no questions asked. No need to ask any questions when Jesus is in the driver's seat. Oh yeah, questions, yes. But that's not what I'm talking about. It was... A chilly morning in Sedona, Arizona. Can you believe it? 
I recall that morning and sometime it was in January. In January, it doesn't go up to 100 and 120. Um, the setting, St. Ignatius Catholic Church, and the hard-hitting steps of a man walking from the back of the church nav, nave toward the altar. And it all meant that he knew his destination. He was a walking display of determination. You didn't see him first. You just heard him. It was time for the morning, 8 o'clock, Mass. And my eyes were drawn to the space and the movement of the steps, which soon revealed the well-worn-out cowboy boots. I liked it already. Just a small slice of his jeans was showing, as the rest was his vestments. Here was a parish priest, ready to do his duty. They call him simply JC, a short bearded man in his 40s, known as the local lore reveals, a man who can equally dance in his boots on a bar top at a local tavern, a horror rumor spread by his opponents. They all know him for his preaching, however. And I've talked to several people. His words are short, revealing a reality of a Christian presence in a twisted world of values and pitfalls, joys and pains, in a context of a life easy for some and hard for others, and often only a life that's uttered by whatever. Look at the world out there. It's sunny again in Sedona. And we are here to enjoy the real son of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial love for us, he said. Then he told a story about his good-for-nothing seminary mate, as he called him, who phoned him and told him his story, wondering if J.C. lives by what he preaches. J.C. was confronted by a lot of stuff. What pillow do you have under your head? It's soft, isn't it? His mate asked him. And what about your duvet? Warm, right? And then I heard that it's all about being authentic, more about being, more about uh, being than having, and being honest with oneself. So here we are. He moved on after pausing. We are here for a reason. There is a purpose for us to be a Christian. We are here to learn to be strengthened by His love. And then after, when we get back into our world, be love. So as you leave this sanctuary, be love. Be love is the theme of all of his sermons. To be love and for us, go into the world and be love.